This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hey there, and welcome to the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. I'm Lori from frivolousatlast.com. And I'm Helena from grayallday.com. Hi, Helena. Hi, Lori. So on today's show, um, we're going to hear our listeners' feedback on what makes something look handmade. Uh, We're also going to hear from the very wise Maven Maris. But first, Helena and I plan to have a good long chat about sewing contests and sew-alongs. And I know that you just entered a huge one last month, the um, Sewing Pattern Review Sewing Bee. How was that? I look forward to it every year. This is the third year, and it is just filled with the best seamstresses in, it seems like in the world. I mean, this is, this is you know, self-selected few from the internet, but there's some really amazing seamstresses out there with some really brilliant ideas. For those listeners who may not be familiar with the, uh, with the sewing bee, can you explain how it works? Yeah, so it's based off the Great British Sewing Bee, which is a super fun show, uh, kind of hard to get a hold of here in the U.S. and Canada, but I think you can get it on YouTube sometimes. It, sometimes they pull it down for mm-hmm. copyright reasons. But I've managed to see most of it, and what they do is they – give you a challenge and you have one week to fulfill the challenge. So there's no preparation you can do. There's no pre-thinking. I mean, all the challenges are so unique. And so um, you have to do them just right in that week. So it really tests you. It's fun. I can't imagine trying to turn something around within a week and get it, you know, viewable by the public. But that's that's amazing. So I, I know. know that- and pictures. Ugh. Yeah, pictures too. I mean, that's part of part of the challenge, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so the first challenge they put out in this sewing bee was, and this is sort of like the gate everyone has to get through. Everyone was invited to sew a pair of shorts. Is that right? Yeah. So I wasn't sure if I would do it this year because it's a really busy time of year for me. But they uh, they put out a call for shorts was the first challenge, and since I need shorts crazily that worked out so well for me so I had to jump in and um and luckily made it on to round two so round two then if I recall correctly was um doing uh, a project on the with using the bias yeah that was a crazy a crazy uh curveball that they threw to us because it was so specific and yet so creative so um uh, what I ended up submitting, though, was this dress on the bias, um, and I used striped material so you can really see, but it was a real challenge, and that was very sewing be like you know, like very skills-oriented, very uh, fabric handling-oriented, because it's just tricky to sew anything on the bias. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And can I just say that that dress was absolutely stunning and the way you styled it as well for your uh for your blog posts and for the uh the pictures uh in the contest was amazing so you know was it navy and white or black and white stripes navy navy and white stripes um with a a really cute little sort of flare at the bottom of the skirt uh you had 
gorgeous red pumps on as well. I just thought you looked like a movie star from the 1930s or something like that. It was fantastic. Thank you. And my hair was blonde, which I worked out really well for the pictures, but I ended up dying it just <laughs> dying over the blonde. I don't think that I look very, it's not a super flattering color on me, but, um, but for the pictures, it was so, you know, Gatsby-esque. It was perfect. That's just it. I, that's exactly what, um, it hadn't occurred to me, but now that you say Gatsby, I'm like, oh yeah, yeah. I could see you walking off the set of a great Gatsby movie for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think you found a really, you sort of hacked together an unusual pattern for that dress. I remember you saying in your post about it that the pattern that you found was, I'd never heard of the the person who designed these patterns before. It was, you must have really dug around to find this. Yeah, I had heard of her before and kind of um, sh- the the patterns that she puts out for free, uh, Vera Venus, I believe. We'll put it in the show notes, but... Um, she puts these free patterns out and they're really lovely, but they're pretty vintage. So I had kind of, um, I think I had bookmarked the site, but I hadn't thought about it in quite a while. And then I just was doing a Google search and found the pattern again and was like, whoa, this is so perfect. So I just used the bottom, the skirt portion, uh, because the top was a little, you know, because it was all vintage. If I had used the top and the bottom, it would have just looked very... It would have been too costumey for me, I guess, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. though it's still a really pretty pattern and really flattering. And the whole thing would have been on the bias. My rayon was very heavy and it had to be lined. And so the whole dress ended up being quite heavy and there needed when your um, fabric is on the bias like that, the the distortion that happens is inevitable and you just have to be fighting it all the time you have to be so careful about how you sew how you um like just hold it under the sewing machine even or else it's gonna get mine did get a little distorted Mm -hmm. no matter that that waviness right if you Mm -hmm. if you stretch it on the bias a little too much Mm -hmm. and certain certain parts of it are are weaker than others so um i put it with a it's just a simplicity pattern top that uh I had made before, so I didn't have to make any fitting uh, adjustments. I didn't have time for that kind of business. Yeah, you got time when you got one week to make a gorgeous dress. Right, right. And that worked out really well, actually. I liked I liked how it kind of made it more uh, modern. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was definitely beautiful. So then, of course, you, you made it through that round as well. And I guess the idea is that um, uh, users of Sewing Pattern Review go on and they vote for their favorite projects and they take however many no, from no, the no, top. No, 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 no. They, no, it's not, it's not uh, user, it's not member um, votes. It's oh, right. It, they all have judges. judges. Yes, mm-hmm. it's all judges, which is very different from usual pattern review. I think it's cool. I think it's exciting. And um, one year they gave us feedback. I can't remember if it was the first year or the, the second year, but they gave us actual feedback on why they liked it or didn't like it or what problems and what strengths they saw. And that was amazing to get from a mm-hmm. panel of actual judges. So it's it's a cool, I like how it's set up a little different than the regular PR contests that they have all the time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's nice to have reader input and in voting on that, but there's something especially nice about having it judged. You feel as if, okay, this this doesn't depend on, you know, a popularity contest or who's made the most comments in the forum and everybody knows them, so they'll vote. So you know that right. it's going to be good. So then you made it through, and what was the next challenge? So the next challenge was the pattern challenge. Last time they had a pattern challenge, it was the uh, Pattern Review's own Winter Street dress, and I won that challenge. I had a lot of fun putting my own personal stamp on that, and that is one of my favorite dresses that I've ever made. It was fun. But this time we got uh, the Colette Rue dress. Mm Mm-hmm. And that's a brand new pattern they've just released. Right. And yeah. it is, it's really unique, but it just wasn't, wasn't my cup of tea. I, I thought about it for a couple of days. I had some other sewing obligations and thought about it, ruminated on it. Then I thought, okay, I'm going to make a jumpsuit out of it. So got started on that. And, oh, I must have made no less than a dozen adjustments, fitting adjustments on that thing. And I thought I got it fitted pretty well. And then at the end there, I just thought it is, at that point, it was overfitted. It was not going to go with the the pants that I had selected. Um, and I was going to have to take basically the entire weekend to, to finish that up. But I just thought, you know, I'm not going to wear this. It's one of those things. It's so fun to do those contests, but I hear it in the forums a lot. Am I going to wear this? Is this something I'm just doing for the contest? And that is a legitimate question, a fun question, except when it starts, you know, stressing you out. So it started mm-hmm. stressing me out. And I just decided, I think this isn't going to be, I'm not going to be really proud of this when I post it. I'm just going to, I'm just trying to get it done at this point. And um, it's definitely not going to be something I am going to wear ever again. So I decided to just bow out of that. It just, I just didn't think it was a great idea to finish that particular one, but it was disappointing, you know? Yeah. You must've been kind of devastated, really. I, I was sad. I was sad, especially because that Round two dress was so successful. I thought I was, I thought I was on a roll, but it's tricky. Um, usually you get to pick which contests, you know, you feel passionate about because Pattern Review does so many fun contests. So you can choose what really speaks to you. And so this one, I just didn't speak to me. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I um I think the rue dress pattern is is lovely and it's if I had been in your position, I would have felt the same way because it's it's really not for me personally. I think it's gorgeous and it's got lovely details and I'm sure it would be fun to sew, but I don't think my heart would have been in it either, which I think it's one of the tricky things when a contest specifies here's the pattern you have to make as right. opposed to something thematic or or a garment type and then let you sort of choose what you want to do. So, yeah. so there's that. That can be constrictive. But it can also be a good challenge and maybe even get you to make something that you didn't think you would like. Um, for example, I just made um, a skirt. Uh, it was the Zinnia pattern by Colette. Oh. And it's a, 
it's a kind of a full skirt, like fairly flared. And I had decided a couple of years ago, I always found those types of skirts very attractive. And I would, um, this was before I was sewing really, and I would buy one and I'd wear it and I'd feel just kind of like, eh, I just don't feel right in this, in this full flared skirt. So I just sort of had written them off and thought that's not really my style. Uh, but for some reason I decided to try one and I just love it. So that wasn't for a contest, but um, sometimes you do need that, that, little extra push where they push you into almost a corner to say, yeah, this is what you have to do. And you think, oh, that's not something I would have done under my own steam, but it turns out that it could be, could be a real benefit. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's definitely one of the fun things about, uh, contests, about sew-alongs with a theme. I mean, there are a lot of ways that we can push ourselves as seamstresses to try new things and, we learn. We can learn so much in the process that even if we don't love it on and we're not going to wear it every day, you still have learned something. I mean, I during the course of doing the three sewing bees that I've done, oh my goodness, I can't even express to you how much I learned. Mm-hmm. I was forced to learn them in a week, how to fit pants with no stretch and how to make a jacket and I mean, some pretty intense things and that really pushed... And, dealing with bias. I mean, that was that was a whole a whole new world to me. Mm-hmm. So I think that that is a great point that it's really valuable when you can kind of get stuck in your rut. <laughs> I make yeah. the make a shift dress every day and just yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Helena, at least you can console yourself with all of your you've entered other contests which you've won. Can you tell us about those? Oh, yeah. I um so during the an Indie Pattern Month on the Monthly Stitch, they have a series of really fun contests. And they, they so they have one each week, but you don't have to take a week to do them. There's just uh, a weekly theme. They announce it beforehand and, and you can prepare uh, throughout the month, I believe. So um, this last month they did a designer inspired one and they have lots of winners too. So it's not like... I'm the grand champion or anything. It, there's a, a bunch of different winners because they are encouraging everyone to participate and have fun. And it's it's not nearly as competitive as... Oh, that's great. Yeah. I really like the whole feeling of it is is really communal and um, and just like the monthly stitches. It's, it's just very, very friendly. So I did win with my um, overall dress, which... That was really satisfying, actually. I did that in a week uh, just because I wanted to get it done and get it done for that contest. So good motivation for me. It was it was very fun. Awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. So, and I won patterns. Woo! So, <laughs> more Can't patterns. go wrong with more patterns. <laughs> On, yeah, yeah. So, but there are lots of, um, you don't have to just do contests. You can do... Like there are a lot of fun themed sew-alongs that people are doing all the time. I know um, we've talked about Lauren from Ladybird's uh, one outfit, outfit along. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? Yeah, where she, yeah. Um, where there's a, a knitting pattern for a, a top or a cardigan along with a dress or a skirt pattern, and so you end up with a whole outfit at the end of the the process. Yeah, and I think that's a nice environment to to finish things off and push yourself and I'm you know I can't knit but it's a it's a cool concept they have a bunch of those uh, a couple of years ago Aaron from seamstress Aaron 
she had a bow blouse so along. So she was just, we were all excited about bow blouses and we all, I sewed one of those. Oh, and uh, Sophie from Ada Sprague, she did a two-piece setacular sew along and she would uh, gather up everyone's sets and, and feature them on her blog. That was really fun because that was a really big, wide open theme. So mm-hmm. it just had to be two matching pieces, but it could be a skirt and a jacket, or it could be pants and a tank top or whatever. And there was some really interesting things. And that trend is still going strong. I think it's still so cute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like the uh, contests and sew-alongs where the, the theme is fairly general. Did you ever follow along with Project Sewn? I think yes. they, have, they oh, yeah, yeah, they sort of decided not to keep doing it um last year or the year before maybe, but which was right. such a shame because I loved it so much. So I, the format of it which I thought was was fantastic was they would invite prominent um sewing bloggers to be their main contestants each week, but of course everyone who was reading was invited to link up their own garments that they were sewing along the same theme and you could vote on the um like the the viewers garments as well as the uh the main contestants so lauren from ladybird was in one i recall That's along right. with um yeah. with uh uh marcy from una baluna mm-hmm. um and uh what's her name is it rochelle rachel from house of pinero i think it's rachel yeah. yeah. So, you know, some of the most well-known bloggers who are just do amazing things and they'd be given a theme such as uh, sew something that was inspired by a film star or sew something that uh, was inspired by a pair of shoes or that would go with a pair of <gasps> That's, shoes. I, I did that one, the shoe one. Because yeah. you know that I have a shoe thing. <laughs> we both have a shoe thing, Helena. Yes. I know. Yep, yep. It's a thing for sure. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun one. They had some really great. That that was that was definitely one of those general. You could take it in any direction. Yeah, which I Very love. Fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because part part of the excitement for that is the interpretation. Yes. You know, rather than just here's the pattern, sew it, and we'll pick the best one. It's how do you interpret this this theme and this challenge, and and what what unusual ways are you going to go with it? So. Yeah, yeah, that was that was a fun one. Yeah, for sure. So, have you entered any contests? Um, I the only one that I mean, other than having sort of done the sew alongs for Project Sewn and entered yeah. some things there, I just recently entered the handbag contest on Sewing Pattern Review, uh, and I it was it was exactly the motivation I needed to sew a leather handbag. I had taken um, a course at a local sewing studio called So Be It. And they, in the course, (laughs) we were uh, given a pattern for a leather bucket bag or bundle bag, the kind that's, uh, that has a round base. And at the top, it's a drawstring to to pull it closed. Um, And it had some external and internal pockets. And so we were sort of guided through the process of, of making this bundle bag. And when it was done, I, I couldn't believe I had made it. It looked really professional. There were, you know, rivets and, and, and hardware that just made it look like it was something I had purchased in a store so I was super proud of it and when I showed my friends they were like are you kidding like no way you sewed that no way so that was kind of fun and I thought well I wonder if I could actually do this under my own steam and I'm a little bit intimidated because sewing leather is difficult and even in the class there were moments when you know I just sort of looked at the instructor and said can you please help me get through this damn seam (laughs) so she would sit and fight with the machine um, on my behalf so I thought I wonder if I could do this myself 
And I found this beautiful blood red leather uh, and thought, okay, well, there's a contest, so let's just make that my deadline. And I'm a, I'm a person who needs a deadline. I am that person who is racing for that deadline at the last moment, no matter how far in advance I think I'm planning. <laughs> Forget it. I was, I was taking pictures of this bag as the sun was setting on the day that it was due to be uploaded. So, <laughs> I've done that. I've <laughs> yes. totally done that. <laughs> but it was, it was good to have that deadline. And uh, I did manage. Um, I broke a a lot of thread and bent a lot of needles and swore a ton and scared my husband out of the house on occasion while I was working on it. But I, <laughs> I managed to, to do it. And I'm very, very proud of it. And uh, at the moment, the voting is still going on on this contest. So I don't have any news for you yet as to whether I, uh, you know, placed in the top or not. But um, yeah, but it was certainly fun. Yeah, it was a good experience, though. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the other handbags that were submitted, there's some amazing ones. Other other beautiful leather bags with fringe and um, gorgeous tote bags with with uh, embroidered designs, and yeah, some really amazing things were done for it. So, yeah, they they really attract a really high level. I mean, anyone can enter those pattern review contests, so you see a wide range and great interpretations very all of them very different from each other but there are some really talented sewers that enter them and it's it's amazing to to sift through those Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the other thing i really liked about the handbag contest was that the uh, person running and moderating the contest provided a huge list of resources for handbag patterns uh, and and a ton of them were from designers and companies that I had just never heard of before. Just very, um, uh, you know, a one-woman show designing patterns and putting them out through Etsy, for example. But there's some great patterns out there. Uh, So that was nice to see that. And one of the things that I sometimes worry about in terms of sewing handbags, um, I used to sew handbags years ago, probably 15 years ago. So I've kind of had these on again, off again with sewing. I'm definitely in in a huge on again phase right now. But so 10 or 15 years ago, I was sewing handbags and I was going and getting upholstery fabric or quilting cotton and making handbags, uh, which was super fun. But ultimately, it results in a certain style of bag, especially if you're using quilting cotton. It's sort of like it's kind of cutesy and it's not, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't know if they look that sophisticated or... Mm -hmm. um, Which can be great if that's what you're going for, but I didn't want to be sort of painted into that corner of, you know, all the bags I have are going to look like they could be part of a quilt kind of thing. So that was what kind of was like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to sew handbags. So now that I can sew leather, I feel like my mind has exploded, (laughs) right? Like the possibilities. Exactly. A whole new world has opened up. Well, your bag was stunning, is stunning. (gasps) Thank you. I would proudly wear that anywhere. And I love purses. And that's exactly why I don't make them is because I think the ones that I've attempted in the past have been very quilting cotton. I mean, I just, I don't know how to put the structure in them that you need to really make a sophisticated bag, but yours was beautiful. Thanks. Yeah. Love it. I'm super proud of it. (laughs) I'm not ashamed to admit how proud I am for sure. Good. Yeah. So you know what, Helena, we got amazing feedback from our last question that we put out to our listeners 
on what makes something look handmade and is that a good thing or a bad thing or something in between. So we got some really great responses. We did. Which I'm super excited to share. Abby from Life in a Mads House, that's Mads as in M-A-D-S, Life in a Mads House, she called in with this comment. Hi, Mavens. Uh, my name is Abby, and I blog at lifeinamadshouse.wordpress.com, and you know I really enjoy your podcast so far. Um, I look forward to every new episode, and so I thought I would add my two cents about homemade garments, so to speak. Um, I actually tend to differentiate between homemade and handmade. Um, and I assign like a more positive connotation to handmade than I do to homemade, at least for myself. Um, I guess a, get, a dead giveaway to me that something isn't home sewn, like in a back lane, is usually fabric choice. Um, you know, things like quilting cottons used for really inappropriate applications on garments uh, comes to mind. And I think menswear can be really challenging to make from home just because you have to really be careful, especially with knits. Like if the weight is wrong for a men's garment, like if it's too light and drapey, that can go wrong so fast, <laughs> and I've been I've been on the receiving end of some fabrics that I thought were, were going to be good for menswear, and they really weren't. So I just repurposed them <laughs> in this day. Um, and I think pressing can be a, a giveaway as well that something was more like homemade in a, in a not so complimentary way. Um, it can be a tough thing to get right, and you've got to really be dedicated to employing it as part of your sewing. Um, or things can really kind of look unprofessional. Not that we're supposed to be professionals, but you know what I mean, right? Um, handmade, though, is something that I I aim for with my own work. And to me, it says that, you know, something was made by an individual or a small group of people for themselves or for somebody else, you know, just for them. And, you know, it was made with care and attention paid to things like details, technique, uh, fabric and pattern pairing, especially. Um, I still get really, really nervous. Uh, and defensive. If someone asks me if I made something, um, I would really prefer that people would say, oh, where did you get that? Because from so many people, that's like the highest compliment they can pay you, right, if you made something yourself, especially if they don't sew. Um, but, you know, the most important thing for me, I guess, is that this is my creative outlet. And if I'm happy wearing it, then I guess I'm okay. If someone else thinks that my taste is pretty bad or that it's a little wacky, as long as it looks like it was really well made, <laughs> I can live with them not liking my styling choices. But I want it to look like it was very well made, you know? Um, otherwise, I, I probably won't ever wear it, <laughs> honestly. Um, so thanks for listening to my rambling voicemail. Um, I'm really looking forward to the next episode. And thanks for this cool way to kind of be part of the podcast, guys. Thank you. That that was so sweet of Abby. <laughs> Yeah, you're very welcome, Abby. We're delighted to provide this uh, forum for you to call in. And thank you for calling in. That's yes. that's great. I love that Aunt Abby differentiates between homemade and handmade. That's a distinction I hadn't really thought of before. And it makes perfect sense in my mind that that would be, you know, that homemade is maybe this the thing that you're a little bit cringy about. Weary about, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if that's just um, how we perceive those terms. But yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the connotations. Actually, I have a funny story about that. We talked about what our question was going to be and we put it in the podcast and then I went to the website to put it on the website. And when I first put it on the website, I said homemade. And then I realized afterwards, wait, I think we said handmade. And I think that those are pretty different connotations. So I went back and changed it on the website. So we're not asking for negative feedback, right? Like, oh, that looks homemade. Because that's that's exactly how I think of the connotation too. Mm-hmm. Oh, that looks homemade. Instead of that looks handmade, made with love, made with 
skill and craft and yeah so so yeah I I did notice that connotation Mm -hmm. and we also received a message from Nancy hi my name is Nancy when I ask if something is handmade it's because it looks like something that was taken care with and time with and I can recognize over machine clothing because I'm a sewist or if it's vintage Sometimes vintage with lap zippers and things done properly isn't vintage at all, but a more modern take on something that was done a while ago and has some really authentic detail into it, in it, but maybe not exactly perfect for that time period. So then I'll ask if somebody made it. I never mean it as a put-down or an insult or because it doesn't look good. If it doesn't handmade and it doesn't look fantastic, and I can tell, I'm not going to say anything because I have clothes like that. We all do. <laughs> We're in the skirt right now. But I really often, if I think something is handmade because it's got some detail in it that I can't find in a store, and it's couturier or handmade, sometimes if it's done well, that elevates it. And maybe there's an element of hand sewing or an element of something that's different put in there, and that makes it special. And that's when I ask if it's handmade. It's because it's amazing. And that's all I ever mean by that. I'm going to rethink it after that blog post. <laughs> Thanks for that comment, Nancy. I think it's very insightful. And yes, we all have clothes like that. So for sure, I, I hear where you're coming from. I also put out on my blog in a post asking this same question for people to comment on. I had just finished sewing a knit dress uh, on which I had accidentally, you know, when you sew a twin needle hem and then you, you cut away the, the additional hem allowance as close to the stitch line as, as you can. Um, and of course, we all know, you know, be very careful when you're cutting that away because it's so easy to clip your fabric. Well, I'm cutting, 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 and then suddenly <laughs> you feel this like extra something in the scissors and you're like, oh, no, no. snip, right? So I cut a little hole. It wasn't huge, you know, it was no big deal. I, it was pattern fabric, so it wasn't even really noticeable. So I was like, okay. But I posted this and I said, maybe this is the dead giveaway for a handmadedness. And I just made up that word. And Sarah commented, she said, for me, the giveaway for handmadedness, and yep, that's a real word, uh, in a bad way, is a badly finished hem or neckline. And, oh, I so agree. Right? I so agree. Yeah. Yes. And I have a bunch of those for sure. Especially I find v- V-necks are really difficult in stretch fabric for me. That's kind of my holy grail when I can make a kick-ass V-neck on knit fabric. I'm going to feel like I'm just going to drop the mic. I'll be like, yeah, I don't need to sew anymore. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, my uh, pattern that I that I made was a V-neck knit, and so I had to really figure out how to do that so that I could explain how to do it for other people. And I just, it's a, such a tricky thing, and I worried endlessly about how people were gonna take my instructions and be able to do that because I I don't I don't it just takes some finessing that. Uh, it's not easy. It, you will you will drop the mic. I've done it because I did. I practiced several, several times, but it's not easy. Yeah, yeah. 
And also I get cocky too. I, when, I, when I think, oh, I just have to sew the hemline now, you know, no problem, bam, just sew it up. Well, even just like a couple months ago, I sewed a little crop top and the, the hemline is totally crooked. Like, I don't know, I was I smoking crack at the time, but like completely, <laughs> like obviously on this major angle. So, you know, I guess I have to not be quite so cocky about that. <laughs> Hems could be tricky too, absolutely. Yep. So we also heard from Naomi from Spare Room Style, and she said, uh, I think it's the individual details that you would never see in ready-to-wear garments, like linings, buttons, fabric combos, top stitchings, the little to sweet details that make the, yeah, I made this, deserving of an exclamation point rather than ellipses. <laughs> I love the way Naomi puts that. Yeah. So Lori of SewingMyselfStylish.com said, or wrote rather, people ask me all the time if I made what I'm wearing. I consider it a compliment because I'm known in my community as an accomplished seamstress. But I do know homemade can have bad connotations. Many years ago, I taught high school sewing when it still existed. And often a student would announce, I ain't wearing no homemade clothes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky one. Carmen of ccarmensew.com wrote, for me, a dead giveaway that someone made their clothes is if they've used quilting cotton as a fashion fabric. And I know this is a very divisive topic among sewers. I generally steer clear of quilting cottons for homemade garments. Otherwise, I think you do end up with that Becky Homecky look. Mm. Yeah. What do you think about that, Helena? Do you use um, many quilting cottons in your garments? I, I don't, but I can really empathize with people that do because it's so hard to find cute fashion fabrics. If you only have a Joann's around or some big box stores and that's the only cute print that you have available to you, it's really tricky. And even even in the um, in the garment district or the fashion district in LA where I shop, it's still a hard... For me, it's a hard thing to look at a pattern and really decide, would I put that pattern on my body and clothes? Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you can look at it on the bolt and, it, wow, it's really interesting or the colors or the the style, but it it's going to translate differently in clothes in, you know, depending on the pattern of the garment. And and so it's it's something that I still struggle with. And I know that if you love a print and you just have to use it and that's what's available, just got to do it. Mm-hmm. I um, I did just that recently. I went to a party with my husband who works in the film business and it was a wrap party for a science fiction television series that he had been working on. And there was a, it, it, so mm-hmm. the series takes place in, you know, on Mars and in outer space kind of thing. Um, and so there was a woman at this party who was wearing this gorgeous skirt that had uh, the fabric was all planetary, galaxy-looking fabric, and I, I just thought, I want that. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I went online and I found some quilting cotton that had this gorgeous print of of planets and stars and the Milky Way and whatever, and that was the zinnia skirt that I made. Uh, so the full skirt, and I made it so that it had a high-low hem, so shorter in the front and longer in the back, and I just love it. So, you know, it is one of those things where... Uh, Never say never, really, in terms of, uh, I think sometimes it can look really Becky Homecky looking, and other times it's just the perfect thing for the garment you had in mind, so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Stephanie Quick also left a comment for us. She wrote, and here I thought the dead giveaway it was homemade was that it fit you well and looked like it was well made enough to last through the wash. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, for sure. I think I think you're right, Stephanie. Different quality level for mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Dahlia from the little cave.wordpress.com wrote, the hems are always a giveaway in my personal sewing. I neither get a perfect twin needle row in knits nor a nice blind hem in wovens. No matter the feet and gadgets I try, they're always wonky and visible. Otherwise, I would say thread buttons and fabric combinations where the color matching is a little off. And in my part of the world, Central Europe, there's a trend to sew with crazy pattern and crazy colored knits, especially among the beginners who mainly sew for kids. And seeing these knits on kids and moms tells me it is handmade. And then I chat them up because I love talking about sewing, even if their taste is not my taste. <laughs> so she <laughs> can make friends that way. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Uh, you know, yeah, that's funny. I, I do think the mother-daughter outfit is usually the hallmark of a sewist, don't you think? <laughs> yeah. I have, I have been guilty of that. It is, <laughs> it's too, so tempting, I tell you. <laughs> So thanks to all of our listeners who who weighed in on that topic. Definitely lots to think about there and, you know, the the difference between homemade and handmade and and what you value about handmade things, etc. So it's it's lovely to have that discussion and involve the listeners. So we have another topic uh, for our next podcast. So I hope that uh, you'll call in and uh, and or leave comments for us. The next question is uh, because holiday season is coming up. So the question is, do you so gifts and why or why not and have you had any particularly good or bad experiences of sewing or making a gift for someone and this I, I think there's going to be some juicy stories out there because as as people who make things by hand we know how much effort uh, and skill and and how many decisions go into making even the the smallest thing uh, if someone isn't aware of all that work that went into them, they could just be like, eh, yeah, thanks for that. And just, you know, <laughs> and they don't deserve that gift, do they? <laughs> no. So, yeah, it'll yeah. be interesting to hear some some of those stories. Hopefully they will all be very grateful and um, bubbling up with, with joy and gratitude that they got handmade <laughs> gifts. But yeah. I suspect there might be some other... Uh, stories out there so we welcome all of the stories that would be great to hear yeah for sure have you ever had uh, something like that um, a a gift made for someone that mm, you didn't you were sort of maybe regretful you gave it oh yeah constantly my girls yeah oh yeah (laughs) they're both they're both kind of past the the um they're over it I guess they want to dictate now what I sew for them and as as I think we've discussed before, I I don't I sew because I want to sew, right? I don't sew under the the thumb of anyone. So we've we've had some um, had some arguments over that. Why don't you ever wear that thing that I made you? Or it's also really possible for people. My mother uh, does custom sewing. She does uh, she alters wedding dresses and she also makes custom wedding dresses. And she says that. One of her um, her biggest hesitations with making a custom dress is that a bride hasn't tried it on and she doesn't know how she's going to feel in it. Mm-hmm. And there are all those decisions that she makes and it, it seems like she's having this um, this 
experience where she feels really powerful and, you know, designer-esque and stuff. But the truth is when she gets that on her body, is she going to feel like a princess or not? Mm-hmm. And, um, and my mom has had some some situations where she gets the dress on the bride and the bride's like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's that's what I asked for. You know, and for my mom who loves to do brides because what's more fun than, you know, dealing with a bride that's just, you know, so happy and in love and excited about wearing a big, beautiful dress that she's been dreaming about her whole life. She loves dealing with that aspect of it. But uh, she, especially after you've put so much time into a custom dress and have that happen Mm -hmm. is so disappointing. Heartbreaking, yeah. Mm -hmm. She, She just asked them to like, why don't you go out and try some dresses on first and then you get an idea and then come back to me because I know that makes sense. It's hard to know how you're going to feel. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I know that among knitters, you know, I mean, to knit a sweater for your guy, for example, can take forever. And so there's, there's a bit of a thing among knitters where if a woman is going to knit a sweater for her partner, her boyfriend, for example, they, sometimes a knitter will actually request, look, if you and I break up, you have to give me this sweater back. (laughs) I never heard that. Yeah, yeah. And, or there's also a thing where people think it's the kiss of death when you knit your partner a sweater, because the minute you give that sweater that you made, you know, a hundred thousand stitches in to make, you give it to them. And then that's the moment you're going to break up for sure. It's like the curse, right? (laughs) Like, yeah, yeah, suspicious. Sorry. Um, uh, superstition. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, we'd love to hear your stories of uh, whether you sew gifts or make gifts and if you've had any terrific experiences with that or maybe some not so terrific experiences, we'd love to hear about it. So you can call us and leave a message at one four zero one sixty four maven You can leave a message for us through your built-in speakers on your computer by visiting speakpipe.com slash clothesmakingmavens. Or you can visit either one of our blogs or you can go to clothesmakingmavens.com and you can leave a written message for us there. But we love it when you phone in a message for us so that we can include your voices on the podcast. I think that just makes it so much more special, don't you, Helena? I do, Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. Well, I think it's time for what is quickly becoming one of my favorite segments here on the Clothes Making Mavens podcast, and uh, that is Maven Maris, who is here to drop some sewing knowledge on us. Yeah, so Maven Maris is here with us, and she has some tips about hand sewing, when to use it, and when it really elevates your sewing from looking homemade, which we've discussed, versus looking handmade, made with love, made with care, and made with, uh, you know, the utmost of skill. So she's going to let us know about that. Thanks so much, Helena. I'm happy to be here. Yes, I do want to talk to people a little bit about hand sewing versus machine sewing, because I think I meet a lot of sewists who are very anti-hand sewing. And I think it's one of those things that's really important to know when to use hand sewing. And in my opinion, I believe that there is definitely a place for hand sewing. And I think most people should learn how to do 
some number of hand stitches, and there are more than one <laughs> stitch, by the way. And when is the appropriate time to use it? Because I, and I'm somebody who loves to do things by machine. I love to sew fast. And when I'm making things for my grandchildren, or if I'm trying to do a quick little project, you bet, I'm going to try to slam that baby out on my sewing machine. And, and, you know, I try not to spend too much time with hand sewing. However, I think there's some times that it makes a big difference. And here are some of the examples that I can think of uh, that I particularly like to use hand sewing. One of them is when I'm basting underlining to a fabric. So an, a good example of that would be if you're basting underlining to a cotton under, underlining or silk organza to wool. And that's if you're making um, a, a more couture type of garment or a little bit more advanced type of garment. And it requires underlining to provide structure for the garment. Well, it's true, you can use a basting stitch on your sewing machine and sometimes that will work well for you, but sometimes those two fabrics are gonna fight each other. And by fight, I mean, you think you've got everything pinned all smoothly and perfectly and you run that basting stitch in your seam allowance and by the time you get to the end, that underlining has slid a little bit and it no longer lines up and the grain line no longer lines up exactly with the fashion fabric. And again, if you're making a couture garment or something that's, you know, a little bit more complex tailored garment, that's going to make a difference. And you're going to be able to see it when the garment is completed. Hand basting is fast and easy and really takes very little time. So, in, and in my opinion, for those kind of garments, it makes a big difference. Another example is hemming. On some of your finer clothes, again, we're talking about tailored, more couture garments where, where this is really great. Um, but you want to run your hem, you want to use a hem stitch instead of trying to do a blind stitch on your sewing machine. I use a blind stitch on my sewing machine all the time. I think it's great. I also do a double turn hem and just stitch with a straight stitch. That's great in lots of applications. But there's just times when I'm hemming my husband's dress slacks or if I'm hemming some of my fine clothes, I want to make sure that I'm doing that by hand and it because I don't want those stitches to show from the outside at all. And you cannot achieve that by the sewing machine. You simply cannot achieve it. Another situation that I think hand sewing is extremely important is when you're working with really tricky fabrics. Silk charmeuse is the most obvious example that people, and it, or it could be a polyester charmeuse as well. But that slippery, you know, slithery kind of fabric is super hard to control. And if you've got, if you're trying to go around a bias angle, like a, with a curve or something like that, if you're trying to do that on your sewing machine, you're going to have an extremely difficult time. I made a silk charmeuse blouse some years ago and it was an Anna Sui blouse by Vogue and it, the construction process was there were facings around the armhole and the neck that were stitched on the underside and then flipped to the outside and supposed to be top stitched. Well, I happened to look up some examples of this pattern 
on pattern review before I made it. And every single person who tried to make that blouse and top stitch those facings by machine, I'm here to tell you it didn't look very good. And they complained about it. You know, they were like, oh my gosh, you know, I really had trouble with that facing. I had only one word for them, hand stitching people. I stitched my facings down by hand, they looked great. And one other thing I actually should have said at the beginning of this conversation about hand stitching, one thing that we forget about is hand stitching is something that's portable and you can frequently take it with you. Like, you know, how many times did I have some hand stitching with me when I was taking my kids to the orthodontist appointment or the soccer practice or the whatever? You can't drag your sewing machine with you, but you can take your hand stitching project. So it's a great way to fill in those little bits of time that maybe, you know, you don't have another use for. So think about that too, when you're trying to decide between hand stitching or machine stitching. Two other things I wanted to mention before I drop this topic is um, another example that often will look a little bit better if you do it by hand is if you're applying a trim or a ribbon, sometimes just the friction of those things compared to the, the friction of the fabric that you're trying to apply it to is a little bit different. And you'll just get, it'll lay much more smooth corners or you'll be able to miter corners much easier by hand than if you try to do that by machine. Plus, you're not going to disturb the appearance of the trim or the ribbon. So the other issue that you need to think about is what needle do I use? And what thread do I use? And if you search online for the different types of hand needles that are available, you'll find lots of information about this online. Also, you just need to do a little bit of experimentation because I might like, you know, a size nine betweens needle and you might like a size seven quilting needle to do exactly the same job. It's fine. You know, that part is immaterial, but just know that there are lots of needles, lots of styles of needles, lots of diameters of shafts out there. And just think about it. In general, you want the smallest diameter of shaft possible because you don't want to, you know, be making big holes and things. And you don't want the hole to be any larger than necessary, I guess, is the way to really say it. And the other issue is threads. There's a variety of threads that can help you with hand stitching. Silk basting thread is never gonna leave a mark when you press it. So if you're using a really fine fabric, if you're doing any bridal work or any kind of, you know, working on silk, then you would definitely wanna use silk basting thread. Cotton basting thread is thicker and it's very visible, which is awesome when you want to pull it out. So I use cotton basting thread all the time. And another thread that was new to me until a few years ago, and I'm thrilled I found out about it, it's called silamide, S-I-L-A-M-I-D-E. And what it is, is it's some kind of fiber. I don't actually know what it's made out of, maybe nylon, I think. And it's super strong and I use it for sewing buttons on coats, particularly a shank button, because that shank is, and a metal shank button 
is really awesome for that because it's not going to cut through the thread. How many times have you sewn a metal shank button on with just regular polyester thread and then it just broke right through that that thread that you'd spent time sewing on? So think about all those things and um, be sure to give hand sewing a try. Don't be an anti-hand sewing person. Use it in the situation that really warrants it. And I think you'll be a lot happier with your finished garments. That is great advice. And uh, you're convincing me. I'll try it. I hate to <laughs> <But> hand sew. <laughs> so My job here is done. <laughs> yep. But it does seem like um, it's a, a higher level that that I should try out myself because it does demonstrate a level of skill that that I really want to I really want to incorporate in my projects for sure. Helena, it's both a level of skill which you will acquire with practice. It's you know, you may feel that your skill is not perfect when you first start, but if you keep practice like anything else, if you practice you're going to get better, your stitches will become more uniform and look better. But the other thing that people don't, they discount is the level of control that you have over your fabric. And you can control that fabric so much better with hand stitching. And particularly in some of those difficult situations that I've tried to talk about a little bit here. You know, anytime you get into something tricky and if you spent a little bit of time fussing with trying to get machine stitching to come out correctly, just think, oh, is this a, a time where hand stitching might be better and I might end up with a better result? Because often you will. Yeah, that's great. Great advice. I'm going to try velvet here soon. And I think, Ooh, yeah. yeah, I think I'll, I'll use those tips for that. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Maris. You're welcome. It was great to chat with you again today. Yeah. So I guess that uh, that wraps up another episode of the Clothes Making Mavens for now. Yeah, that was a fun one. Yeah, thanks so much, Helena. We'll talk to you next time. I look forward to hearing stories about making gifts. Great. Talk to you later. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening.